Hello, quickly before we start this episode, I just want to thank the folks at the 411 Folks podcast. It's a British Simpsons podcast. It's um, very funny. I give it my quality seal of approval. And uh, Zach Woods, who runs the whole Facebook page and the episodes there on that page, um, has been helping me out with my promotion of uh, Uncle Mo's Family Feedback itself. So you could go over to facebook.com and search the 411 Folks podcast and give it a little like and a share. Um, they've been helping us, yeah, like I said before, with our podcast and promoting it. So if you could return the favour, that'd be great. Now on with your regularly scheduled programme. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good. Hello and welcome to Uncle Mo's Family Feedback, where we look at the dizzying highs, the terrifying lows, and the cream middles of seasons 1 to 12 through the random episode generator. I'm always joined by Cal Reader. Cal, how are we doing? Pretty good, man. How are you? I'm good. The Facebook page is up and running now. It is. We're official now. We are Uncle Mo's Family Feedback dash A Simpsons podcast on Facebook. Strong, I think now 37 likes on the page. Always good. Yeah. I was expecting like 10 within two yeah. weeks, but you know, people are actually <laughs> supportive out here. It's good to know. It's very good. One thing I didn't realize because I'm admin on the group. Um, how many fucking stupid notifications do they get? Like, if you pay this this amount, you could get up to 33,000 people liking. I was like, eh? No. Pay £16 for a week, you may get 19,000 likes. But so it's, it's never like 19k or anything like that. It's a very specific number. Like, well, if I'm paying that, I want that exact £33,281 people and half a fucking... Dwarf, I don't know. <laughs> Liking the page. I want my money's worth, Zuckerberg. Exactly. <laughs> Come on, Zuckerberg, you fucking lizard. <laughs> and we are reviewing season two, episode twenty-two, Itchy and Scratchy and Marge, directed by Jim Reardon, written by John Swartzwelder, with the original air date being December twentieth, nineteen ninety. The chalkboard gag: I will not pledge allegiance to Bart. And the couch gag is: the couch is missing, and all the family look puzzled. They all look around. Cal, um, what are your initial thoughts or memories of Itchy and Scratchy and Marge then? So, it's obviously quite an early one. I do, I always, I remember this episode being played quite a bit, and I don't know if it's just because it got played quite a bit that it it, it kind of annoyed me after a while because it was, it was just on all the time, and then just uh towards the end of the episode it's like they love they love they love they love they love yes we will get into that great parody of a parody again but then i don't know like rewatching it i I like it it is it is a good episode like it's still comparing it comparing it because obviously how we're doing this is it's quite random on how we do it uh, do the episodes so sometimes it can be the later ones where the format's kind of a bit more ha- traditionally how how we kind of remember the Simpsons and it's obviously still quite early on um, there's not as much quirkiness and stuff there's still like obviously we'll get into it we'll get into it yeah also uh, the director I've mentioned Jim Reardon he is considered well, if David Silverman is the best, he is the very close second. I'll just read out a couple of uh, episodes he's directed. Treehouse of Horror 2, Homer at the Bat, Mr. Plough, Lemon of Troy, 
22 short forms about Springfield, or better known as the Steamed Hams meme. That is a good one. So, you know, he's not a lightweight. He's produced some crackers. That is true. Is this the one? Because I remember looking at the credits because I was trying to. Um, I I didn't. I wasn't sure if the uh, the Walt Disney guy. I can't remember. Uh, Roy. Roger Myers. Yeah, Roger Myers. I didn't know if that was Al Brooks or not. And then I saw. I think it might have been Brad Bird uh, produced it as well. I believe he did. Possibly. That That's Roger Myers clear. character, Alex Rocco, he was in The Godfather, and this was watched by 22 million people. Of course, the first two seasons had astronomical views. I mean, you look at modern telly now, shows are failing to bring in, what, six, seven million views on average? It's amazing things what they did in the 90s. Just the peak of telly. I don't know. It's still still pretty good in the moment. I think we're we're definitely in a renaissance of TV where it's just the golden age of of, the TV where a lot of the TV shows coming out. Yeah, yeah, uh, Brad Bird did produce it. A lot of more TV shows that are coming out now are... And a lot of fact, better than the films that are coming out. Yeah, TV is definitely getting more cinematic, and with it um, mm. spreading to these online platforms and that, the viewership's yeah. getting spread. So you're never going to reach, I don't know, thirty million for that EastEnders Christmas episode in 1992. It's going to be a lot more spread out. And we kick off this episode with Homer wanting to build Marge a spice rack. Now I've noticed this a couple of times in season two, but a lot more in season three. Homer. The horrible DIY man. I think they play on it a bit more in later seasons. Like the um, the one with the uh, barbecue. He's more proud of his crappy stuff, what he makes, rather than kind of. Why doesn't mine look like that? Ah. It's like a small child with a bad painting. You just gotta accept the effort and exactly, hang it up on yeah. the tree. Hell, you've got a niece. I'm sure she can do a better spice rack than what Homer created here. She's quite. The carpenter, I must say. Some say she's a second coming of sorts. Hmm. As long as it ends up on the ground, she's happy with the work. Exactly. But yes, while Homer's busy trying to knock up his spice rack, the kids are busy watching Itchy and Scratch here. Now, we'll make a massive deterrent here. Is Itchy and Scratchy... The fact it sounds to me that it's more famous than a lot of original running cartoons as well. Like, how, how does Itchy and Scratchy resonate with so many people, even though it's a very... One note joke, yeah, like it's just extremely it. violent Tom and Jerry, but everyone yeah. knows yeah. who Itchy and Scratchy is. I think that's it. I think it's just literally, it's a slapstick idea of it, where it's slapstick to the extreme. Where what happens if Tom and Jerry could actually kill each other and violently murder each other in certain ways? And that's why it's just kind of violence is always funny. Well, they ended up getting that, didn't they, with the Happy Tree Friends? That is Itchy and Scratchy well, exactly. IRL. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Homer is busy finished with his spice rack. He's proud of his work. When Maggie, from out of nowhere, hits him with a hammer, like she has seen on Itchy and Scratchy, and a pitch-perfect um, psycho reference, if I do say so myself. Everything from the score, the shots. This is the thing with like the earlier Simpsons. They take, they take a lot more care and a lot more pride to kind of do a shot-for-shot shot remake of famous films and stuff like that. I think that's it, it's especially when we go to sit certain ones if we ever do um, uh, Selma the Fish or whatever. The idea of that way, like in a lot of the earlier Simpsons especially, where they were making fun of um, like Planet of the Apes and, and stuff like that, is because Planet of the Apes was kind of like the Star Wars for the generation who were writing it at the time. 
Oh, definitely. So it's kind of, especially like the earlier Star Wars, when not, obviously Star Wars is more regarded now as like classic film, but like the original Planet of the Apes, for example, was so groundbreaking and like everybody lived them. And then by the time in the late, late 80s, early 90s and stuff, where people who originally watched them had kind of seen them as like hokey B movies, because progressively when they got there, um, they were all a lot more fresh. So that's, especially coming now where yes some of them don't some of the jokes don't necessarily make sense because it will be asking people it'll be quoting people who you know we don't have no idea who who they are anymore but certain ones such as like uh psycho joke it just it's just kind of timeless i remember watching these well with the main episodes where they have massive uh, parodies of films not getting it, but you know, my mum and dad would get that chuckle here and there. And then again, it's rewatchability. It's rewatching it back when you have watched these classics and thinking, oh, that is fantastic. Like it's not even a straight up parody. They always do a little twist, like the famous Treehouse of Horror. You know, that's odd. The blood should come off at the second floor. See, because another thing as well, which is interesting with with the timeline of of The Simpsons, because I think in the current timeline. Um, in the newer episodes, Lisa was technically born in uh, 2009. Um, yeah, and what I, it, it's really weird how, like, I saw this video the other day by a YouTuber called Quentin Reviews, and he compared how, because the show's been going on for so long, it's quite impossible to kind of have like a timeline kind of thing. But the problem is, is because it's so it's been going on for so long. There's a, there's a shot where this joke makes sense, and it is um, Milhouse and Bart, and they're getting pogs, and they go, "Hey, look, do you collect pogs? Look, it's Alf. Alf's returning in pog form." And I loosely remember like pogs. I don't. I remember my sister having quite a few, but obviously they weren't really. Ain't. I was a bit too young to like grasp that kind of thing. And then it showed a from one of the more recent seasons, and Lisa's in a. Uh, Lisa and Bart are in a junkyard and they see an old TV and they're like, look, it's like a normal TV, but it just keeps on going back. And it's just like, well, you guys are like technically in your 40s. <laughs> like, yeah. like the series, the, the episode where um, it shows how Marge and Homer first met uh, in the seven, like 79, I think it was supposed to be. Um... There's a, there's, that was aired in like nineteen ninety three, and then there's an episode from two thousand eight where Homer makes Nirvana, which is supposed to be ten years after they went to uh went to high school together, and it's based in nineteen ninety three. It's like it's weird how a show can be going for so long and just kind of catch up with, with their own stuff. They're not afraid to retcon, really. No, I think it'd be it'd be next to impossible to keep a whole um running canon storyline really maggie ends up hitting homer on the head he's horribly concussed he is injured so marge instills a ban on itching scratch in the house no more itching scratchy whilst they're at the house so the kids manage to find a way to sneak around lisa goes to janie's and watch it bart goes to Millhouses to watch it but homer can't really understand what the issue is with the program but marge can so she sends a letter to roger meyer jr no, I think Alex Rockham herself, I think he did a grand job at this. Oh, definitely. 
Uzo is one of my favourite characters. Uh, it's like a special guest kind of thing. He's, he's in three episodes, four episodes, I think. He's in three episodes, but the character's in a good six or seven. But while Rocco couldn't play it, they had Hank Azaria jump in, which is a shame, really. Unlike Fat Tony, where um, yeah, I don't know his name. The actor who did him was quoted saying, "If Fat Tony sneezes, I went one in on it." I think that's what you want there. Like I'm googling who does Fat Tony now. Uh, it, originally, it was voiced by Phil Hartman, actually, surprisingly. I did not know that. By Joe uh, Mantenegna. Mantenegna. I can't speak. Mantenegna. He's in Godfather as well. Ah, yes, I do know that name. (laughs) Maybe I could say it. (laughs) Marge writes a letter to Roger Meyer. Roger Meyer's not having any of it. He's had hundreds of these letters. Now, this is leading into Marge protesting, but... um, what can one screwball do in reality now? I mean, you, what you've got this new term of fake outrage and outrage culture, and Twitter is such a platform where anyone can have a viral tweet about a program, and there's so much of an issue. What do you think in relation to what Marge's uh, vision is here? It's definitely because this is another thing where is so so the whole the whole idea how something causes. Some like school shootings or something, you know, causes violence in the public. It's been going on as long as history itself. There's a, there's a famous um, quote from a professor in the early 1800s where there was where paper were becoming more um, practical to use and practical to produce and stuff like that. It was very easier to uh, produce. So rather in schools, by instead of using slates to uh, write on chalk and then rub it off and stuff like that. They started introducing paper, and even people then were saying how it's never going to kick off. It's never going to be a thing. It just causes more hoodlums than anything because then people will be more susceptible to like drawing on on stuff and, and things like that. As in the eighteen hundreds about paper, it's always been a thing where it like rock and roll isn't. You know, it it's the devil's music, and then screamo, and then you know, video games cause shootouts and violence and stuff like that. It never happens purely, and it it's always an interesting thing because it is kind of timeless, especially how like in the world what we're in today, where it's very easy to offend people, and it's very we're in snowflake culture and all that. Um, it's hard to forget that these. The people who are kind of like you can't say that it's offensive and then getting really violent because you're offending someone it's completely the same whack jobs like marge in this episode where it's just like if you censor one thing where do you draw the line like if you get rid of for example grand theft auto because it's teaching minors to go kill prostitutes and steal a car and go run down pedestrians and stuff Yet there's films like The Godfather, there's films like um, Scarface, for example, and and Citizen Kane, and, and what, not so much Citizen Kane, but you know, there's violence everywhere in the world, never mind this TV and, and culture and stuff. People are still going to watch it, so people, people are still going to read the violent books and, 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 and do whatever, yet it, it, it never... 
people aren't as nuts as you think to be able because if it did affect the youth to be able to like make people want to kill everyone every single person would have read catcher in a rye and gone and killed 700 different people but they didn't one crazy person read it thought it meant kill john lennon and went and shot john lennon in the streets of new york you know it doesn't it doesn't affect people like that it's just but it's always it's always something what will be timeless like at the moment is video games in 10 years it might be game something else you know game of thrones uh glorifies rape no it doesn't it never does it doesn't one episode by accident but it wasn't supposed to be written like that and it just got edited weirdly but you know it, it's shown as this disgusting kind of thing and it, how crazy it is and you should be more wary and kind of understanding to be able to talk to people and be like that no that it isn't like that but well anything yeah. that is popular throughout the annals of history will have detractors just so they can detract it's the it's it, all it is is the previous generation not not understanding it and not wanting to do and what happens eventually is when people in for example our generation start eventually in a couple of, in about 10 15 years start making films and TVs and stuff like that the culture changes and it becomes more acceptable it's called the MTV generation where everyone's like snippets and stuff like that you know we've got video well, we used to rip Vine, where you could make a video in six seconds, and it was more entertainment needs to be more snappier and more quicker. And you watch people. There'll be people who like from the older generation who only watch films from like the fifties to the eighties, because you know it's it's you can fit more story. And yeah, we're going. We're getting like the auteurs wanting to make actual films and stuff like that now to be more long-winded and more kind of like two hours of just basically a, a man shitting in a bucket and you just oh my god it's it's modern art it, it brings film back to what it used to be but there's a reason why things develop and then what it is is the, the old generation doesn't like it doesn't understand it mainly and it's like oh i don't get that oh fine no, actually it's really angry it's ruining the youth everyone's now shooting up all schools and stuff like that no well, the Simpsons came up with the MTV generation. They feel neither highs nor lows. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the meh generation. But Marge continues to analyse the Itch and Scratchy programme while Summer is getting into it. He never knew that Cats and Mouse lived some, such interesting lives. Take that, you dumb squirrel! <laughs> and one of the animators actually spots Marge out into the protest and works that into the show. Now, I think there's been a few occasions in television history where that's happened, but I do love parodies. I do love pop culture parodies of important figures. I mean, you think of Spitting Image and all that back in the 80s, and I think they did a good job here with Marge's likeness and the voice alone as well. Homer really resonating with uh, taking it to the authority figure. Take that, you dumb squirrel. Like I said, it's more... Homer's more of a bit of an idiot. I think more now he'd kind of... He'd possibly go on the more family guy route and probably riff into her a little bit more, but... I don't know. I think... Because it's like Homer Simpson was inspired by Fred Flintstone and Fred Flintstone by the Honeymooners and stuff, and then Family Guy by the Simpsons, but because Simpsons and Family Guy are always going now... 
Simpsons gets a bit more crude and can be a bit more like Family Guy, where I think it'd be kind of like, I don't know, it'd say some, I think it'd, it would be as funny rather than dumb. Marge manages to uh, hold a sitting, hold a hush in at Itchin, uh, um, Itchin Scratchy Studios and at Krusty Lou Studios as well on the Krusty the Clown Show. So much so that Krusty doesn't realise that they're all grown adults in the first 30 seconds. So message reaches out, and so much so that Roger Mize is getting horrible, cold letters saying people won't even um, pause for him in the street in their car. <laughs> now, that is very much like Twitter now. That is very much internet yeah. culture. And this is what it is. It's just, it's always been there, and people kind of forget about it. And all what happens is the crazy people die out. Yeah, people telling you to kill yourself on paper. If you get a, if you get a platform, everyone's always a. This has been death messages and stuff like that. But if you give someone a, an easier way to send that voice off, they're obviously gonna do it. Yeah, it just makes me sad a bit that Mary Berry's on Twitter, and I guarantee she gets kill yourself tweets. No one deserves that. Not even her. Even though she's close to death's door. Come on. Why Mary Berry? I know. I've been I've been on a bake off pipe. I've been on the couch again. <laughs> Just goes, oh, I'm not over Howard's custard in 2012. Hope you die, you fucking skeleton bitch. Marge has managed to make an impact so much so that um, she becomes some sort of a consultant. Roger Myers calls her up and wants to see what's happening with this uh, new cartoon they're going to run. They want Itchy to run with an ice cream cone. But no, make it a pie. Pie's easier to draw. I've got a few people in the animation and the... uh, graphic design community and they really resonate with that i've talked to one of my mates but i just love her rogers sort of discreet okay fine a pie then they've just tucked in, into a vat of acid but they can't do that so marge suggests that um they split the pie and then they both have pie this, to me this is top marge this is just mum this is just mum comedy yeah really. disconnected from the world or whatever they're trying to do that's different i'll give you that but marge tells the kids that hey you can actually watch itch and scratch again and they love it they can't wait they rush to sit down and oh cow what do they get they love they love they love they love they love kiss 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 love 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 lemonade Please, I made it just for you. You are my best friend. Itchy and Scratchy seem to have lost their edge. I think it conveys a very nice message of sharing. I think it sucks. The Itchy and Scratchy show. New. Oh, I mean, what can you say about this? It's intentionally cringy. It's intentionally soppy. It reminds me of um, the Americans know it more like uh, Christian animation, like Dave and Goliath, really sickly sweet, but... I mean, the voices are great. They've got those ketamine eyes that I've seen in the couple. So you say that about Christian animation. I always remember, because I went to Catholic school, I remember this one what I used to watch. What, we used to watch it every Easter, and it was basically a claymation telling the story about Jesus. And it's fucking brutal, man. It's, it's crazy. Like, it actually shows one get, getting his ear cut off, and then clay-faced Jesus cuts, uh, sticks it back on. And I always fucking loved that animation. I always looked forward to it because I was just, cause it was just, it was really good animation, even though it's literally the story of Jesus. I was just like, yeah, give me some of that. Yes, the kids aren't having any of it. They can't stand the voices. So, oh god, like my dad says, oh, they need to go and get out and live their lives, and they go out and live their lives in the sun. But in between that, everything seems to be going quite well. But then some historical art seems to be making its way towards Springfield. 
as well as Chicago and New York and uh, LA. You know, Springfield's a massive hub for art. But this instills another sort of uh, outrage amongst Marge's good friends, you know, because Michelangelo's David, you know, it's filth. He's not wearing any pants. You can see his doodle. But Marge thinks it's great art. And this is where you get the debate of you can't censor everything and you can't really fight for everything. I try and come at it with pick your hills to die on. I mean, I learned that in my course, you know, when you're pitching screenwriting idea or if you're coming up against some creative difficulties, you pick mm -hmm. one major thing you do not want to change, or maybe very two minor things you won't change for your own creative reasons, but you can't just nitpick everything like you say. You just have to roll with the punches. You have to bring context and you have to yeah fix it it's purely the idea of like like for example what happens in the episode where where marge doesn't like this violent show because obviously it's disgusting and violent yet this statue which is classed as art in her eyes and it's kind of it's a better approach as well as like how animation generally is an art form and it kind of gets forgetting about how it's kind of for kids kind of thing yeah they, they do sculpt his penis in the episode they do make that yeah. thing yeah they don't censor away, they actually generally show it. Not in graphic 4K I, 4K I want, but, you know, I've got to go to fucking porn for that one. Oh, yeah, I don't like this, so then this is bad. However, I like this other thing, what other people don't like. But what's the difference? Just because I like one thing and don't like the other thing, you know, it's still art. And then look at it in an animation side where, for example, video games, people don't class those as, as art. Yeah, look how beautiful, like, for example, Red Dead Redemption, how realistic it looks, and testicles on those horses. That was one of the first reports about it as well. I can attest, though, it's more than just that. It is a very beautiful game. Them testicles look beautiful on my 4K TV. Marge goes back on Smartline to defend uh, David's doodle as Marvin Monroe picks it. But I'll just go back, because I never mentioned the first Smartline uh, time she visits. And, uh, again, this is just really funny to me, because... Crossy's overly playing up to the camera. Roger Myers is making the very base argument of, oh, you can't complain about X because Y is worse. You know, there was wars. Millions of people died. Oh, I see. Fascinating. And Kent's just taking everything at face value. I love it. Just Pierce Morgan. <laughs> yeah. GMTV, my ass. But Marge is back on Smartline for the second time now. And she actually loves it. She thinks it's great. Now, Mrs. Simpson... Why are you against this statue? I'm not. I think everyone in Springfield should see it. Wait, wait a minute. Aren't you Marge Simpson the wacko? <clears throat> yes and no. Hold it, hold it, hold it. How can you be for one form of freedom of expression like our, our big naked friend over there and, and be against another form like um, itchy and scratchy? <clears throat> Good question. Well, I guess I can't, which is a shame because I really hate those cartoons. Oh, yeah? Well, what do you have to say to all those Marge Simpson wannabes out there who wish to suppress David's doodle? What do you think of Dr. Marvin Monroe, then? Because we've not seen him since, um, or, well, we won't see him until, well, one of the season one episodes where he's confronting the family and trying to get him help. I think, I, I don't know if it's because when I properly started watching The Simpsons, it had obviously been on for quite a while. It had been on for 10 plus years at this point. And especially in the later episodes, they make jokes about whether or not he's dead or not. And he was just like, oh no, is this unpopular? He was also uh, voiced by Harry Shearer. This is very much the case was with uh, Otto in our Dance at Homer episode. He hated doing Marvin Monroe. And you can see why. Because it, it's really gravelly. Yeah. Really deep. But nevertheless, I do enjoy it. You know, especially our David's doodle. And 
I love eating some fried chicken and a bottle of blue no no. What the hell is wrong with that? But Marge comes to the consensus that, well, if you defend one thing, you can't really um, fight for something else because it can contradict and you can't fight every single battle. So she resigns herself, itching scratches back to the way it was. Marge isn't too happy, even though she's uh, visiting the museum and seeing the great bit of modern art. But it turns out the kids will end up seeing this anyway because they're forcing them. And then we end. What did you think about this uh, ending? We seem to get a lot of sudden endings with these uh, randomly generated episodes now. Yeah, I think, like I said, I think it's just because it's an it's an early earlier episode. It kind of it kind of just proves the point what I was saying earlier. It just everything goes in loops. Like, nothing changes. Alright, um, let me think about how I'll rate this. I'm going for out of five. I'm going to go for uh, three mallets out of five. On the whole, very solid. <laughs> Again, I feel like I'm going to repeat myself. It's just the ending, the very sudden... Five seconds, wrap up. Uh, so that's yeah. why I'm giving it three out of five. I'm going to give it 2.5 crazy Marge the Wackos out of 5. Purely because, like, like I said, it's a, good, it's a good classic episode. Nothing particularly bad happens in it. Um, but it's just nothing. The characters don't change, don't develop whatsoever. And, but it, the fact, I don't know, possibly a bit higher because it is... It just kind of proves that we're still in the same kind of crazy phase we were in the 90s kind of thing with just people being offended over nothing. All right, we're now going to swing around that big arm and randomly generate an episode right before your very eyes. All right, and we are jumping forward to season four now, episode 22. Get ready, Cal, for Krusty Gets Cancelled. I don't know, I think initially, um, initially for me, I think this is a good episode. I can't wait to review it. There's a lot, it's very, lots of cameos in this one. Mate, you wait till I get on my big trip about the chilli peppers, you wait and see. Alright, we hope you can join you then. Uh, like always, if you can like, comment and share our Facebook page, Uncle Mo's Family Feedback, Dash uh, Simpsons Podcast, and we will see you shortly. Take care. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, good, good. Mmm, sounds good.